Let us pray. Let us worship. Let us pray. Let's, let's submit to his, to his word today. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to worship your name. Your name is mighty. Lord, we come to worship you. Lead us today through your word. Teach us your wisdom. Be with us. Transform our hearts. Lord, convict us of sin. Give us strength. We need you. In a world of chaos where nothing makes sense of deception, we need you. We need the truth. And we submit to your word today, Lord. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us open our Bibles to the book of James. Uh, chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. We are going through this small yet powerful book in James. We've learned so much, haven't we? In our previous study, we learned about the power of the tongue. And now James continues on with this powerful, powerful theme, Wisdom. It is a repetitive theme in the book of James, and it's an important theme, wisdom. Let us read verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and self-ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. Like I said before, we're going through the book of James. Today we find ourselves covering a recurring theme of this epistle, wisdom. If you remember in chapter 1, verse 5, James says, If you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. James makes an emphasis that every believer ought to have wisdom. And if you remember the very first sermon of the year, we said that wisdom is the most desired commodity. Philosophers ponder upon it. Kings crave it. Politicians search for it. Parents try to teach it. But we also learned that there's only one true source of wisdom. And that true source is found in God, in Christ alone. Now, I love watching funny videos in my spare time. There's especially, there's a sequence of YouTube reels called Why Women Live Longer Than Men. I don't know if you've seen those. It's particularly funny. If you haven't watched any of these, please do so. They're, they're hilarious. The videos show how crazy men are in the way we do life. We do unmanageable things to keep us entertained. The other day I watched one where two men, one driving a Tesla, 
and the other was dressed with a, a big inflatable human bubble. And the, one of the men were driving the Tesla, ran, you know, is driving 30, 40 miles per hour and runs into the other guy. This dude goes flying 30 feet in the air and gets stuck in a branch, in a tree branch. Who does that? Only men do, right? <laughs> we're crazy. Now, I don't know if this is uh, Solomon's rationale of why he personifies wisdom with a woman, but there must be some truth to it. Proverbs 4, 7 to 9 says, The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Here it is. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Our priority in life is to obtain wisdom, and not only to obtain it, but to walk in wisdom. The title of the sermon today is Wisdom from Above. You see it in the screens. There are three points this morning. Number one, wisdom reforms the heart, verse 13. Number two, we'll see a comparison of earthly wisdom. And then lastly, heavenly wisdom. An unknown philosopher said this, it will be much easier to attain wisdom if we can first identify it. And I think that's true. James starts today's passage with a question. Who is wise and understanding among you? What a fair question to ask. Who is wise amongst us here in Cornerstone? Who has understanding? What does it mean to be wise and to understand? We can look to the world's definition of wisdom. The greatest philosophers have argued on what wisdom is. Some say wisdom is the pursuit of happiness. Others say that wisdom is acquiring knowledge on all matters of health, wealth, art, relationships. On all things that are natural, that surround us. And as I was studying the passage, I came across what I believe to be the greatest of all definition of wisdom and understanding. If you have your Bibles, highlight this verse. Job 28, 28 says this. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. That's it. And to turn away from evil is understanding. When the word of God rightly defines wisdom and understanding, then James' question becomes, makes sense. So we would ask her this way. Who among you fears the Lord, James says? And who among you turns away from evil? That is the question. With wisdom starts with the Lord, and it ends with the Lord. And everything in between your life also belongs to the Lord. The level of your view of God will determine your view of, on sin and how you live about your life according to your position on the doctrine of sin. What do I mean? I mean that if we have a proper doctrinal view of theology, on theology, that is the doctrines of God, we will have a proper definition on what sin is 
and we will abstain from it. Theology is not only to be cherished intellectually, but also to be put in practice. James is direct and to the point. Look at the next verse. By his good conduct, let him show his work, his wisdom. Let him show the caliber of Christian that he or she is. Let his understanding of God and the things that are godly, let him show fruits of such understanding. And you may say to me, well, here goes another moralistic, legalistic message. I hope that's not the case. James is trying to convey that wisdom can only be found in God. God is the source of true wisdom, which he has reserved for those in Christ Jesus. True wisdom always points to grace. Beloved, wisdom, it's, uh, in all its mo- uh, most pure sense, has been displayed through the person of Christ. He became wisdom, wisdom for us. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. And because of him who God, you are in Christ, Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. True wisdom is never accompanied with with simply an intellectual knowledge of Christ. But rather, it is that same grace that imposes us to abstain from sin and bear fruits for Christ's glory and exaltation. And this is James' message. You cannot simply have a reformed mind without a reformed heart. Wisdom, which is also a gift of grace, will reform the heart, tender our very being into submission, To him who called us. And produce in us the very means to work out our salvation. That is grace. That is wisdom. The men are going through a study on fundamental doctrines. Men, I welcome you to come by next Tuesday. These fundamental doctrines will lead us to be mature in Christ. And we were reading last meeting a very, a, a very powerful passage in 2 Peter 1, 3-9. Let's read this real quick. His, Jesus' divine power has granted us all things. Some things? No. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And here it is. For this very reason. Grace granted given unto us. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, 
and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For these qualities are whose? Yours. Are, are, are what? Doing what? Increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's grace, beloved. I've often read this passage and all I focus is on the make an effort part. We're so, I, I'm so moralistic in nature. I want to check that checklist. What can I do to please God? But I love how Peter so graciously points us to the one who not only provides absolution and redemption, but also provides a way for those who are in Christ to finish the race. That is grace. Now don't get it confused, beloved. Moralism will never sustain you past your own folly, strength, and understanding. Tullian said this. The ironic thing about legalism is that it not only doesn't make people work harder, it makes them give up. Moralism doesn't produce morality, rather it produces immorality. If we rely on our own strength, we're going to fail. We will fail. This is precisely the opposite of wisdom. Wisdom will center our minds and our hearts to fear the Lord. To intellectually understand his vastness, greatness, limitlessness, power, sovereignty, holiness, and authority. And once our minds have really grasped the immensity of Christ, then our hearts are put into submission with tenderness and meekness to abstain from sin. Pastor Freddie was preaching last Sunday. David knew that to sin was to sin against God. The same God we understand to be holy and separated from any blemish or darkness. The same God that angels, angels revere and fear. Fear the Lord, that is wisdom. That same fear produces in us a meek heart, a transformed heart. A heart sensitive to the increasing knowledge of Christ and to others. According to James, the wise and understanding are not necessarily the educated, the wealthy or powerful, but rather those who live lives of wisdom and good deeds with gentle humility. Now I know that concept seems... We're so far, uh, so far and disconnected from the world. Humility and meekness. Such a contradictory behavior of the world's wisdom. Heavenly wisdom is a result of true genuine faith. Genuine faith produces meek meekness. That is, the attitude or quality of heart whereby a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of God. Do you possess a meek heart? It's a good question. That's why James is ultimately saying, if you have been regenerated, if you truly have known Christ, 
true knowledge and acceptance of him, you are obedient. Now we're going to have baptism soon, next, next month. What a, what a blessing that is. See the gospel displayed. But that is obedience. Simple as baptism. That is what grace and wisdom produces in our hearts. Every believer ought to be baptized. And we know baptism doesn't save us. It doesn't add any special badge of honor. There's no level, doesn't increase your level of Christianity. But it is a badge of obedience unto the Lord. Now let us look at earthly wisdom. Let's read verses 14 to 16. But if you have a bitter jealousy, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast, excuse me, and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. James just described for us the opposite worldview of the Christian faith. The world ultimately uses wisdom as a means to an end. Christianity understands that wisdom is ultimately the worship of Christ. James gives us a warning to us believers of what false wisdom looks like. Especially within the church. Western ideology pushes the worldview of self-centeredness. You ought to look to you look, you ought to look out for number one, me, my desires, my needs. Push as hard as you can, and you have you have it all. You have an easy and comfortable life. That is the world's wisdom. The wisdom of this world opposes everything that is selfless, noble, and unselfish. James says, this is the beginning of earthly wisdom, self-centeredness. In other words, the fulfilling of earthly and fleshly desires. Worldly wisdom opposes and despises the gospel of Christ. Because it is the opposite of what heavenly wisdom teaches. To be selfless. James says, be careful. You as a believer, you're not found practicing the same self-centeredness behavior. In relationship to others, don't be jealous when others get that job you wanted. Or got the grades you desired. When your peers go to the Ivy League school and you, you didn't. You go to the community college. And if you are successful, do not, boast. do not be boastful, he says. Always be reminded that whatever you receive comes from the Lord. But above else, James says, do not be false to the truth. Do not be a hypocrite with your faith. In a world of so much disorder and deception, believers ought to be at the forefront of truth. Speaking truth about the way, the way the world is. And about the way wicked people are behaving without turning into a perpetual grumbler or a user of cutting words. We are meant to judge with discernment and truth. 
based on what the world teaches, but not judging with condemnation. Because they have been already condemned. Even with all the modern advancements in technology, education, and health, it seems that the world's wisdom has taken us back to the dark ages. We have become intellectual fools. And when I mean we, I mean the world. With all this modernization, people's self-ambition is leading us to, the dark, to a dark spiritual path. It is said, and I'll give you an example. In 2023, 50 million people are enslaved throughout the planet. This is 2023. We think we've gone out forward. It is said that out of those 50 million, 25 million are in forced labor camps. The other half are sex slaves. And the majority of those are children. That's the world's wisdom. We are talking more slaves than the Romans held at the height of their empire. All for personal gain and self-ambition, James says. This is precisely what James says. For where jealousy and self-ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. This, James says, is earthly unspiritual, demonic. Earthly wisdom will call you to neglect family over fame and riches. The world sells the advancements and the reaching of your highest potential while neglecting the most essential aspect of your humanity. This type of wisdom is an enmity with heavenly wisdom. It opposes everything that is noble, selfless, and true. This is why the cross is folly to those who are perishing, because they cannot comprehend the meekness and humility of Christ. They oppose anything that may appear as weak. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish of the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. That is precisely what James is asserting to. Stay the course to the truth. Be opposite to the world's deception. Be at the forefront of preaching the gospel. Modern Christianity, at least American Christianity, has gotten the impression that we fight with our earthly weapons rather than our spiritual ones. Yes, it's okay to go to Congress and, and, you, could, and you, know, you could protest about abortion laws, about, about sexuality. You're within your rights. We must not forget that the best weapon at our disposal against such evil, evil wisdom, is the Word of God. We preach Christ and Him crucified because only the truth of the gospel 
has the power to save lives and break through all sorts of sin in this world. We could protest all we want, but if we don't change hearts, we'll go back to the same thing. Yet we are 2023, thinking we're smarter, more intellectual, more educated, and we're doing the most wicked things ever possible. What of heavenly wisdom? In comparison, let's take a look at what heavenly wisdom looks like at verses 17 to 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. As I mentioned before, wisdom is a result of truth faith. True faith. James makes an emphasis that we should pursue or, or persist wisdom and to ask for it if we lack it. It is also true that heavenly wisdom demonstrates itself by means of good works. They're not separated. Our wisdom will inform our faith. And our faith will move us to always seek heavenly wisdom so that we may live rightly and peaceably before the face of God. Heavenly wisdom, in contrast to worldly wisdom, is selfless. As you can tell in the passage. Now, James directs our attention to how heavenly wisdom looks like in our day-to-day walk. Especially in the matters of relationships. Especially in the matters of relationships within the church. It is no accident that James follows his teachings on the tongue with the teaching of true and false wisdom. No accident about that. James is particularly concerned with the genuineness of our faith related with our relationships and how we love others and lead them to the gospel. Not only to preach it, but to model it well. These characteristics are the results of a selfless Unenvious character. Those who are selfless and pure about their relationships, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and bear good fruits, they are impartial and sincere. But James makes a double emphasis on peace. Once in verse 17 and then verse verse 18. If there is a characteristic that a Christian ought to be known by, is that of a peacemaker. As a believer, it is hard to be a peacemaker in today's age. I work in the banking industry, face-to-face with clients. Clients are tough. Especially today, everybody's on edge. Especially Miami, everybody's on edge. You say the wrong thing or you say the right thing, nobody's pleased with it. Everybody wants to argue, be combative and argumentative. And sometimes I get into those little quarrels with clients, and I find myself not putting out the fire, but actually putting up the flame. I might not start the verbal disagreement, but for sure I I find myself not stopping it. And when it all is said and done, I realize that all I've done is feed my ego. Not wanting to to look weak. Same wisdom of the world. 
There's a difference between being a lover of peace and being a peacemaker. You may love peace, but are you a peacemaker? What a blessing it is to be a peacemaker instead of a quarrelsome believer. Heavenly wisdom brings about peace. Proverbs, Proverbs say this about wisdom. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peaceful or peace. Billy Graham said this. To be a peacemaker, you must know the peace giver. What a true statement that is. It is impossible to be a peacemaker if you don't know the peace giver. It is through Christ that we know peace, true peace. Romans 5, 1, 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace by which we have been established. And we boast because of our hope in God's glory. What a great reminder that is. Since we've been justified in Christ, we've also at peace with God. This is particularly a great reminder because we are also called to be like Christ, peacemakers. There is a blessing, James says. There's a harvest of righteousness and it's sown in peace by those who make peace. A better way to represent Christ than to be a peacemaker. Christ said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Are you known as a peacemaker? At your work, school, family, home. Verse 18. Verse 18 is powerful. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I strongly believe that peacemakers... Those who are selfless, non-envious of others, see the fruits of wisdom. Especially when it comes down to modeling the gospel to those who are perishing. The Great Commission tells us to make disciples by preaching God's word, but also modeling the gospel in a manner that points the spiritually dead into life. By grace and faith in Christ. Another aspect of peace is the relationship, again, like I said before, between believers. Heavenly wisdom teaches us to maintain peace and equilibrium with those that are in the household of God. As Romans 14, 19 puts it. So then we must pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Sometimes we quarrel, we, we bicker, and we chatter about minute things. Secondary doctrinal things. You step on my toe things. My mic doesn't work things. I broke the mic. Let's not quarrel. But you get it. Let's not quarrel about things that are non-essential. Let us be in unity on the things that are beneficial for salvation. Be pure in all your thoughts. Be gentle in every conversation. Open to reason in the matters of the gospel. Full of mercy when forgiving others. 
and make sure your pursuit of all good fruits because you already possess them. Not to be searched has been given. This is the mark of someone who enjoys heavenly wisdom. I'll finish with this. Timing. Pretty good. Whenever you lack wisdom, ask God for ask the God of wisdom, and He will give it to you freely. We are reminded that we are indwelt by the teacher of wisdom. As Paul puts it in Ephesians 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not like fools, but like wise. If you are in the wisdom of God, that is heavenly wisdom, Paul is saying you ought to live like it because you have been empowered with such qualities. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing concept that is wisdom. Or sometimes we don't even grasp the vastness of your mind, of who you are, Lord. And you, Jesus, became wisdom for us because we were fools, dead in our trespasses, enemies of the cross, enemies of God himself. And Jesus, you became wisdom for our sake. Became a man full of wisdom, full of grace. You were the perfect representation of ourselves. Lived the perfect life and died on the cross for our sins. You did not end there. Resurrected on the third day. Defeating death. For our sake also. So one day we'll be united with you once more. Lord, I pray that wisdom takes a hold of our hearts. If there's any sin that has not been clearly let out in the light, or that you bring it forth, may we repent. May we be people, be found people of peace, not of quarrelsome mind. Lord, lead us not to be like the world. Let us allow us to be different for your sake, for your glory and honor, and for the gospel to reach those who are perishing just like we were. That is grace. Lord, we pray in your name. Amen.